Trigger warning, the Resilience Project provides an open space for people to share their personal experiences. Some content in this podcast may include topics that you may find difficult. The listener's discretion is advised. Hello, friends. Welcome to Radical Resilience, a weekly show where I, Blair Kaplan Venables, have inspirational conversations with people who have survived life's most challenging times. We all have the ability to be resilient and bounce forward from a difficult experience. And these conversations prove just that. Get ready to dive into these life-changing moments while strengthening your resilience muscle and getting raw and real. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Radical Resilience. I'm Blair Kaplan Venables, and I'm back with my sister, Alana Kaplan. So last week, last episode, we started talking about the journey of us transitioning into a life without our mother on this planet. And we covered everything that led up to her passing on. And we're going to now talk about what life is like what the last year has been like without her. Um, If you are just tuning in for the first time, I recommend you stop this episode and go back to last week's episode so you can hear it. If not, that's totally cool too. You can even go back to episode one or two or three or four. And um, yeah, so I'm here with Alana. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. All right. So recap, our mother passed away from an undiagnosed cancer, which was pancreatic cancer. Cause we didn't actually talk about like how they didn't actually give her a biopsy. Cause the day she died, they wanted to give her a biopsy. We're like, right. no, don't cut her open. <laughs> and then, um, so our mother passed away February 23rd, 2021, 2021, um, after a three week battle with cancer, mm-hmm. our father has been slowly declining and dying of COPD and cancer. And our mother's illness came out of left field. Like it was very unexpected, kind of like a car accident. And this, so this grief hit me oops, hit, hit the mic, <laughs> hit me like whiplash. Like it hit me. Like I, like I felt like I got hit by a train and something we started talking about last episode was, um, something that was happening simultaneously to both me and Alana, Alana more, but me and Alana, um, while our mother was getting sick. And I think that's a great place for us to start off with because mm-hmm. we've had a lot of lessons in hindsight. And then we're going to talk about what happened starting February 23rd after our mother passed away until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess I'll just set the scene. So my stump, my, our mom was talking a lot about stomach discomfort from November to January. And then simultaneously around that time, I was also having some stomach stuff. In fact, I went and got blood work, went and, um, got an ultrasound. My ultrasound was actually the same day as my mom's and everything came back fairly normal. And so I had talked to my doctor. I'm like, Oh, it must just be anxiety. Then like, I guess I'll start some anxiety medication. And so this is happening. And then we talked about how there, we woke up to a text one day that said, LOL was just in the ER. And I actually, that night, wasn't sleeping because I was vomiting. I believe that's what was happening to me that night. Um, And so I woke up, be like, oh, that's interesting that she was having more intense symptoms. And then that happened again the, the day that 
she went into the hospital on February 9th. I obviously didn't know, but I wasn't sleeping that night before. And I didn't know why. I was just like, oh, my, just, just another sleepless night. And then we also talked about last time how there was like a tumor on a nerve or something that affected my mom's voice. So my, my throat was hurting a bit on February 10th. That was the day I was flying to Winnipeg and I got a text from my mom being like, I don't have a voice. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like I had a sore throat. Now my mom is saying she can't, she can't speak. And so then that's when I think started to clue in and I was telling my mom about these things and she was like, oh, you're intuitive. It's like, you know, and so she would ask me like, are you having any bad thoughts? Are you having any thoughts? Like get trying to get me to, to almost like tell the future. It's like, I can't tell the future because I can only like, when I reflect back, realize these things. And so essentially throughout her illness, I was having mirror like symptoms it's almost like in therapy when you have mirror neurons firing and you're matching the other person. But in this case, it was not quite that. Um, and then similarly, around this time, Blair was also experiencing a really bad case of vertigo, which she's never had before. And so we're all, all the Kaplans are down for the count at this point, um, not really knowing what's going on, but we're all experiencing symptoms. And so that happened throughout my mom's illness. And then finally, I don't know if I'm missing anything, but on the, the last, so we're holding my mom's hand with my uncle and my aunt there as she's taking her last breaths. And all of a sudden I got really dizzy. And I, and I said that out loud. I was like, I'm really dizzy right now. And that was the same time my mom had taken her last breath. So we we're feeling because we were so connected to my mom. Well, I can only really speak to myself, but because I was so connected to her and probably so codependent on her, I was having essentially like these intuitive responses um, or intuitive feelings without actually knowing that that's what was going on. So interesting. And I think it's important that we're sharing this because a lot of other people have these very tight connections to their parents and might be having these experiences without realizing. Right. So, so our mom passes away in the middle of the night, like early, early February 23rd and we're Jewish and in Judaism, everything like rap, like um, funerals and everything happened right away. (laughs) And it was COVID. So we had a graveside funeral. It was minus 40. Like it was very Minus cold. a lot. Minus yeah. a lot. And we were only allowed 10 people and we were allowed pallbearers and the pallbearers could be different. So we were trying to be very strategic about who we had. And, you know, again, us Kaplan's trying to find the humor. So our, luckily like our family helped us plan a very quick funeral. Um, <laughs> we walk up and so we're live streaming the funeral, which is actually a really beautiful thing because people can tune in from all over because our community, our family, our friends are everywhere. And what was hilarious was as we're walking in, it's like obviously like a very sad day. Aladdin notices something. So the person who is filming the funeral happened to be the person who was like the DJ for my bat mitzvah. So how many years ago was that? Which was 
from that day, like 18 and a half years. Ago. Like, I think that's like one of the best pandemic pivots I've ever seen. Honestly. From bar mitzvah DJ to streaming funerals. And also all sorry. life cycle. Events. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So we, you know, it's very, very like hard. Like I do the eulogy and then we do this thing called Shiva where normally you get together with family and you share memories and like tons of people come and different people like send meals, lunch and dinner. And the problem is that it was just me, my aunt, uncle, two cousins and Alana. So there's six of us and people were still sending food to feed 50. And so basically a Jewish hug is a bagel. And I turned into a bagel and we ate a lot of bagels and a lot of <laughs> ordered a lot of cheese and egg nips from Salisbury house. One day they're going to sponsor my, my life. And party sandwiches, which we renamed Shiva sandwiches because they shouldn't be called party sandwiches. And Shiva And Shiva yeah. So, and like Alana and I've had experienced a lot of loss over the last couple of years, grandparents and whatnot. And so it's like, we know like the routine, it's not fresh to us, but it was really beautiful being, you know, with our, with some of our immediate family, it was a really great experience. Our aunt and uncle were like, they just took us in because they, again, it's COVID like our grandma, Baba Leia is still alive. She, we, we can't be around her. Like, you know, we, we came from other provinces. And mm. so now the real work happens. So we call the lawyer and what's really important to know is like, so around new year's mom told me she had a weird premonition. And our mom was not very in tune. Like she would never like identify her feelings. Um, she was really learning to tap into empathy towards the end. And I, I credit a lot of that to Alana, but I asked her like what this was all about. And on new year's, she asked her good friend who's a lawyer to update her will. And I said, why, why did you do that? Like, and she said she had a weird premonition. Hmm. So in this will, Alana and I are executors. And I call that lawyer because the lawyer is my mom's friend and he he's our lawyer. And he's he basically tells us like it's it's a lot easier to have one executor. So Alana like gives me the power of executoring or whatever. Anyways, holy shit. Being an executor is so much fucking work, especially if you are like one of the main grievers. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, I think, services out there to do this. And I, I honestly never want to be the executor again. Like you, if someone, if you make me an executor, anyone out there listening, Alana and, <laughs> or anyone, I will, I'm going to hire an external company to do it because it is so much work on top of being really fucking sad because you know how many phone calls you have to make to can't, you have to cancel mm-hmm. all these accounts. And then not just, Hey, um, I'm Blair Kaplan Venables. My mother, Sharon Kaplan just passed away. I'm calling to cancel her insurance. Cause then what you need to do is you need to send them a copy of her death certificate and the will and the, this and the, that, and sign this. And it's very intense because it goes on for months. It's still going on. I'm it's, still getting mail. It's still going on. <laughs> I it's got still... mail two days ago. And, uh, and so anyways, um, my advice here without going into too much, cause I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about what our lives are like now. Um, the, the biggest thing that I've learned was you be organized. And I don't have a will. My husband and I need to make wills. Um, But what's really important that my mom did and every meeting I went to, the same comment was said was, oh my God, your mother was one of the most organized people. This is the most, one of the most organized, you know, estates I've seen. And it is because she had a list handwritten of every single password and every single account and not just like, so house party, because once she had a house party and joined a family chat or, you know, Instagram or a Skype, like things that she never used, but not just that she had all of her insurance policies, 
the phone numbers, the policy numbers, the amount, and basically every single person I had to call if she died, when she died. And that made my life so much easier. In fact, I mean, we just discovered an account that like I thought I dealt with, but I didn't because I don't remember. Like the last year has been a fog. Like I feel like I was in an accident. Like I feel like this grief triggered concussion symptoms, like concussion issues and symptoms I've had from previous concussions. I, I feel like I've just been existing and I'm starting to feel like a human again. But if, if, if you're listening to this, you take anything away from this conversation, write down every single account and every single password, because it's going to make those you leave on this earth a little less stressed out. It's going to make things a lot easier for them. Okay. So now Alana and I, we no longer have our mother. We now have this house in Winnipeg. That's hers that we both now, like she owns, the estate now owns. We have to sell it. Alana lives in Toronto. So Alana lives in Ontario. The house is in Manitoba. I'm in British Columbia. Now, while this is happening, we're preparing to sell our house in Pemberton, British Columbia and move to Kamloops, British Columbia. Because remember, three months before losing my mother, we lost my father-in-law. And so we're preparing to live closer to Shane's family. So now we have two houses to sell. Our lives have been completely turned upside down. And it was intense. It was really intense. And I think, you know, Alana, I I mean, I can't speak for you, but I went into survival mode. Like the only thing in my control I felt was in my business. And like my business was the most successful it was ever financially. And like the stuff I was doing, I felt like I was the most successful I had ever been in my business. I made more money than ever. I worked as little. Well, I mean, I, I still work, but I didn't work as much as normal. And I think it's because it was the only thing in my control and it was a nice little escape for me. And, you know, I don't drink. I'm now three years sober. Um, yes, I take Prozac and CBD and like, I do the best I can to survive and manage my anxiety and depression. But the one thing that really brought me joy, that still brings me joy is my clients and what I do for work and showing up and talking about resilience, because this whole time, Alana and I've been building the, the global resilience project and we've been collecting stories of resilience. And it's very (laughs) interesting how we've, um, how we've learned these lessons. And so, uh, Alana and I took a break. After a mom passes away, we're in Winnipeg for a bit. We start packing and sorting and figuring out what we need to do. We decide, okay, we need a break. Let's go back to where we live, have a reset, come back to Winnipeg in a month, get the house ready to list it and pack it. And I come back to Pemberton and that house is getting ready to be packed and listed. So basically I felt starting last February, once, as soon as I left to Winnipeg, when mom was sick, it's like, I immediately felt displaced. I immediately felt not grounded anymore, not rooted. Like I didn't really have a home. I got a house, not a home. Um, and our lives, I mean, Alana and I have very different lives. Um, and I can't speak to Alana. So maybe Alana, you can just do a high level of like mm-hmm. the decisions you've made over the last year and where you are today. And I'll do the same because, you know, I think these conversations are going to keep coming back because we're going to keep learning all these lessons. And, um, but yeah, like um, my life completely changed. I We'll talk about it in a minute because you just heard me talk for a bit. But Alana, let's do a high level of like the decisions you made, the process you made and where you are now. Okay. So essentially when our mom died, I also had this feeling of being displaced, even though I had a place in Toronto, I just never felt like Toronto was home, but everyone told me wait six months to make any big decisions. And if we rewind to the summer before summer 2020, when I visited Winnipeg, I also 
had expressed that I didn't know if I wanted to live in Toronto and wanted to move back. And um, my mom essentially was like, don't make any big decisions, but you can always come and live with me. And so essentially I knew that I was going to end up in Winnipeg, but I waited until the six month mark and maybe a couple of weeks before the six month mark, I messaged the realtor we used with my mom's house being like, okay, I'm moving back. <laughs> and so essentially, um, I started to look for work, um, in September and got a job offer on the first job I really applied to. And the only job I really applied to, uh, just a little bit of a, a humble brag, or as Blair likes to say, peacock, because, um, when I got into this career, it was very hard for me. Um, and then I found a, a house I really love and first offer I put in and got accepted another little peacock moment because times are tough for new homeowners. And as of December 1st, I have been living in Winnipeg, started my new job shortly after. Um, and it's really nice to be with family, despite the weather being the weather in the winter time. Um, I'm happy here. There's been only, I, I have not missed Toronto at all. The only thing I miss is, are my friends, um, but it's a pandemic. It's not like I was seeing much of them anyway. Um, and I feel more connected to my mom being in the same city where she was, where people know her. Um, yeah, so I'm here thriving in Winnipeg. Never thought I would say that, but here I am. <laughs> You know, I just want to say, Lana, I'm really proud of you because um, obviously you and I are close, but <laughs> the fact that we managed to spend like a month and then another month, like we spent a lot mm -hmm. of time together and we, I think we never even really argued maybe once, no. maybe once, we, but like, we actually yeah. haven't argued since mom has died. Yeah. Well, the arguments usually like involved her, <laughs> Yeah, but like, um, Alana and I are very close, but I just want to say that like, since mom died and her moving to Winnipeg, like this is the happiest I've seen you in a very long time, despite the circumstances, because I don't know about you, but I'm like, my grief is there, but now I'm learning to layer life on top of that. And instead of being in constant grief, it comes in waves and I'm learning to ride the wave and be, you know, be in it and then be out of it so I can live my life. Yeah. And, um, with you being close to home, I mean, being now in home, like before you were living in Toronto, but now you're home, you're where home yeah. is and you're thriving. And I think it's really great. And I love it because now it's my new home base because our mother's house was my home base. And I, I came to Winnipeg and I have a really great network of friends and family in Winnipeg. And it's, I love staying with everyone, but it's not home. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait to come make myself home and sprawl in your home. So what's really interesting for me is my mother passing away actually started me on this journey of a spiritual awakening. So since mom passed away, I've sold, we sold our house in Pemberton. We've moved to Kamloops. I had like a brief intermission of six weeks of living with my three cats and my mother-in-law without my husband, because he was commuting for work and it was in the middle of fire season. So it was smoky and like she had, you know, a two bedroom home and it was a really interesting experience. So I spent a lot of time like adventuring around and I went and did some spiritual work and I'm on this path where I am learning who I really am. And I'm having this beautiful spiritual awakening and like really tapping into my intuitive 
hits and gifts. And it's, it's really beautiful. And, you know, I'm living in Kamloops. It reminds me a lot of Winnipeg. What I love about where I am now is that there's an airport. Um, but, and, you know, so it's easier for me to travel and whatnot. My business is doing great. And Alana and I, you know, we're finishing up the global resilience project book and it should be ready anytime soon, but you know, maybe we should talk about advice for our friends out there who, you know, haven't really lost a parent yet. I have a lot of friends, you know, in different age groups. And some are like our parents' age who are in their 60s who still have two parents, which is a phenomenal. But it's going to happen. And um, it's going to happen to us again, maybe soon to lose the other parent. But I have friends who still compl- like will complain about their parents or have really petty arguments. And really, none of that matters. Mm-mm. None of that matters. Unfortunately, my close friend group, most of us have lost a parent. Um, We talk about how our friend group is kind of cursed in a way um, as most recent as this past month. Um, And yet at the same time, I do have friends who do have two parents who haven't even lost anyone who've never experienced grief. And so I feel like there's lessons for both, like lessons well, to grieve, there is no rules. Like to grieve is you grieve however you need to grieve. It comes in waves. It's going to be very intense at first. That first period will be, last as long as it needs to last. And it will always be there. And there's this graphic that circulated online. Essentially, the crux of it all is, is that you grow around your grief. So your grief never goes away. You just grow. And you'll always experience grief. And my biggest takeaway is let myself feel what I need to feel. Yesterday, I was in um, a restorative yoga class on Peloton and just had the biggest wave of grief. I think it was because it's now around the same time as everything was happening with our mom and I needed to cry. So I just cried and reclined butterfly pose for 10 minutes. And then I was okay to move on. Um, And so being really kind to yourself, if and when, not if, when you experience a grief, everyone will experience a grief at some parts. And there's different types of grief. There's like losing a parent, losing someone you're close to, losing a pet, which Blair and I also, we forgot to mention because there's just been so much grief, but our mom's cat. I again, I'm giggling, but it's like our mom's cat, Zena, who's our cat, went to live with Blair. And then in September, we had to put her down. Um, and so there's lessons on how to grieve. And the lesson is, is just do what you need to do to grieve. That's my biggest lesson. And then if you're seeing someone you love or care about who is grieving, don't ask them or don't say, like, I'm here if you need anything, just let me know. Or how can I like offer things, suggest things like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to pop by if that's okay. And that's supportive to you. I'm going to phone you. And if you want to answer great, if not, that's okay. Or just validate their feelings. Wow. That's really shitty. Yeah. That's really sad. I don't know what to say, but it just really, it's really hard to see you sad and it sucks. You can just say it. It sucks. It's shit. Yeah. Don't try and suppress their feelings. 
I know the urge is there to make them feel better. You are not going to make them feel better. It's going to make them feel worse if you're like, but look at all the good things in your life and your bubba's still alive. No, that is not. No, everything not. happens for a reason. No. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, Alana, you just nailed it. And there's no right or wrong way to grieve. And what's really helped me, and this is that you could take away from this as you want. I talk a lot about strengthening your resilience muscle. And I'm going to have a whole uh, podcast episode about that. But the things that I do on a daily basis are almost a daily basis to help me. So I practice gratitude, even when mom was dying and passed away, like at nine o'clock every night, we stop and list three things we're grateful for. This changes the neural pathways in your brain to see the world in a more positive way. And if you do that for 21 days plus, and I've been doing it for five, over five years, I meditate. That's new. I've started meditating this year and I know it's only the end of the first month, but, um, it's made a huge difference to my mental health. I journal sometimes twice a day, but I wake up and I journal, I move my body, whether it's stretching or getting on the Peloton or going for a walk, I make sure I move my body. I fuel my body because it fuels and also fuels my mind. I make sure that I eat as clean as possible. When I was grieving, I just ate what was given to me. So I think that's another thing is if you are going to bring food to other people, don't just, you know, give them some stuff to nourish their bodies. There's comfort food. And then there's what the body actually needs. And I feel like for a month, I hardly ate any vegetables. Um, you know, like I think it's really important to like, you have to nourish your body because if you're not feeding your body, the right stuff, the right nutrients, you, you have a second brain in your gut, right? You have two, two brains. And, um, drinking lots of water and honestly sleep sleep is so important and i'm just do what i need to do if in the middle of the day i get a wave of grief or i feel really tired if i can take a 10 minute 20 minute hour nap i will um and also telling your story like you know i have a therapist i do alternative healing um one of the gifts my friend like something my friend got me as a gift when i passed away and i like i appreciate everything people sent me donuts and flowers and meals and sending someone meals or gift cards to order food is like one of the best things you can do because the process of even figuring out like do i want to pour cheerios in a bowl like do i have the energy to chew it's really hard um but my friend teresa actually sent me a gift card for a grief counselor who's also a death doula she's no longer practicing her grief counseling but she was at that time and she really helped me she helped me so much that alana started seeing her chelsea you're amazing if you're listening to this you will because i'm going to send mm -hmm. this to you um she's only practicing her death doulaing death doula ship i don't know doulaing i don't know how to call it what to call it but um you know i had a grief counselor and you know what that really helped me and you know, you can share your story. Maybe you get a journal and you write your story out or you talk to your friends or your other family members about it, or you submit your story to something like the Global Resilience Project. But there are resources out there to help you. You don't need to go through this alone. You don't need to go through this alone. Um, Alana, before we wrap up this, because like, I think we're going to come back to it fairly often. We're coming up to one year of our mother, you know, uh, leaving us um, in Judaism there's like a lunar calendar. So on February 11th, it's her Hebrew and a, the anniversary of her, uh, how, how, what, do, what do I call it? Her year oh. at sight. It's yeah, her year at sight. So it's like um, the, her passing anniversary on the Hebrew calendar is February 11th. And I'm, you know, we're going to light the candle together as a family. And I've planned something special with one of my friends to um, honor her. And then February 
Alana and I are meeting in Palm Springs because it's very interesting. The week mom passed away is usually around the time we always went on a family vacation, like every year mm-hmm. until the pandemic, we were always away together. And so Alana and I decided to always be together on February 23rd. And so we're going to be in Palm Springs together. Um, I, you know, I don't know how the day is going to unfold, but we're probably going to spend it in nature and there's going to be meditating and probably crying and we're going to do our own thing or stuff together, probably lots of floating in the pool and getting a little mm-hmm. heat stroke in honor of my mother who loved to sunbathe, but With her red face. Looking yeah. the sun. <laughs> oh man, I miss mom. Mm-hmm. I miss her so much, but I feel her with me. She's with me in a different capacity and I'm learning to live with it. I'm learning to recognize the signs that she's around me. And it's really hard. Like, it's really, really hard. There are days where I can't get out of bed. There are days where it's all I think about. And then there are weeks where I'm functioning and I think about it to a degree, but it doesn't derail me. But before we wrap up this episode, you know, I I love that you're a social worker because you have all this experience And then you've gone through this traumatic experience. And obviously like hairdressers don't usually cut their own hair. Like it's hard to like therapy yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Like I, I'm a, I do public relations and I have a publicist. Like I can't, it's really hard for me to do my own PR. And I mean, it's not hard, but it's hard. I can't explain it. What advice do you have for someone who is about to lose a parent or who have just lost a parent? Like what is something that you just want them to know. I know we've given tons of advice this episode, last episode, and I think we should do another, we'll probably do another interview. Well, a chat, a conversation, um, after February 23rd, like maybe even from Palm Springs, we'll record it. Or when we get back about kind of what, you know, a recap of the last year, Mm -hmm. but what advice do you have? Hmm. That's a great question. (laughs) Um, Like, what do you wish, what do you wish you knew? Yeah, I think it's just the advice is like, whatever you need to feel, feel. There's nothing that's going to prepare you, honestly. Like there was, even if you know, like say you have a, a loved one who is sick for a long time, it's still going to hurt. It's still going to really hurt when they go. So whatever it is, will be, you know, just feel what you need to feel. Don't, my advice is like, don't set any expectations for yourself. Maybe you'll be fine right away. And then it's a, a, um, a response that comes later. You, you just don't, you just don't know. So my advice is like, don't, ex- <sighs> I like it's a reality TV quote from big brother, but essentially like expect the unexpected. Like you just don't know what's <laughs> You just oh, don't know Anna. what. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not a. Why isn't it a survivor quote? I don't know. It just wasn't. It's not a survivor tagline. It's a it, big it, babe, I know. <laughs> so next time we talk, I expect Alana to have a, a survivor quote. Yeah. Yeah. So feel what you need to feel, and like you don't like don't have expectations because you don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's a really powerful message. And Alana, I know this. Well, I don't know if this may or may not be easy for you. I know it's very easy for me to talk about my feelings and um, in a public space, but I really appreciate you opening up about the journey because, you know, we are on this, this path together and I am so grateful that your soul is in your body in this lifetime as my sister, because I don't know how I would have gotten through this without you. I love you very, very much. Thank you for everyone who just tuned in to part two of this story of us losing our mother. 
I'm Blair Kaplan Venables here with Alana Kaplan, sister mm-hmm. extraordinaire, project manager of the Global Resilience Project, mother to Molly, her fur baby, the cutest cat, one of the cutest cats. The cutest cat. Well, no. Ash is pretty. Ash yeah. is beautiful. Molly is cute. And we are cat people. And yeah, I look forward to you tuning in next week to another episode of Radical Resilience. Thank you for spending time with us. You are resilient. You got this. You can do it. And you know what? If you're not okay, that's okay too. Thank you. That's a wrap for another episode of Radical Resilience. Do you feel inspired by this episode? You can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player and connect with us to join the conversation at IamResilient.info. Remember, it's okay to not be okay. And you, my friend, are resilient. Radical Resilience is a podcast created by The Resilience Project.